following podcast is work safe. Gaming, gaming. You can even game your own can. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our breakout bonus of always a fan favorite, our portable gaming bobble, the breakout bonus of our We Talk Games monthly flagship online magazine audio program. And these are the little articles, I like to call them, the focus. On the line, Jaden Walker, you are a staple, especially of our iPad and iPhone apps, and I think that's what we'll be talking about today. Yay, people like me. <laughs> yes, indeed. Especially bands from Australia. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> bands with the same name as me that think that because they've had it for seven years, that trumps my 13 years. <laughs> Very good. Well, let's not get too far off track. Now, we've been focusing so much on our iPods, our iPhones, our iPads, because I just think that right now, especially when you have an iPad, I think that that makes your other gaming handhelds just sort of second fiddle. I don't know why. I don't get it either. I mean, I'm I'm looking at my DS sitting on the table covered in dust right now. And and there's nothing wrong with those handhelds. I love them. I I have a whole, you know, I I used to have a shelf of handhelds. I actually have a custom-made toy box. It literally can hold all the Shogun Warriors that they ever made and their evil twins that you hacked up yourself and and created, plus every single giant 12-inch G.I. Joe that ever came out and a couple other things. And right now, it is overflowing with all the different handheld gaming systems that have ever come out. All I've been doing is, is these iPads and iPhone games. I, I can't blame you. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I've got a R4 Game King emulator, whatever it's called. Oh, right, right. We talked about and, uh, that on the last show. Yeah, and, and it's got some of my all-time favorite classic games on it. It's got my entire Game Boy library on it. And I don't even think the thing it has a charge in it right now. It's been so long since I've touched it. <laughs> it it's just the absolute convenience of having your games on a phone, which you're already going to carry around with mm. you anyway. True, true. And I use my iPad every day for things non-gaming related, so it's just natural for me to um, to play my games on there as well when I have a little bit of downtime. All right, so let's just rip right in. Uh, first thing, let's talk about the new OS 4 that came out. I think even 4.0.1 is here, and this added several hundred new features, you know, how Apple always says that. But uh, one of the things that pops out right away, and and you can get this on your second generation iPod Touch as well, although it's not as robust and powerful as the new 3G and new 4G iPhones. This upgrade is free, and it adds a feature that I've been looking forward to, and that is folders. Now, the first thing about folders that you will notice is that, to me, they are ugly as sin. I don't know. I actually kind of like them, but that might be because I'm on an iPhone 4 with the higher definition screen resolution. I don't know. Just seeing these gray blocks. I mean, definitely having having a home screen wallpaper would probably help seeing some raindrops in back of these things. But to me, just seeing these gray squares and just these little tiny three by three grid of your minuscule apps inside of there just to me does not reflect anything I've ever seen from Apple. But I don't know any other way they could do it. Yeah, they, there's there's not really any other way to do it. But again, on the iPhone 4, you can actually see every single one of those icons clearly. Okay. Yeah, I can see mine pretty good. It's just, to me, I don't know. It's, it's just a very non-Apple-like interface. Now, when you click on them and it opens up, that looks nice. 
But uh, well, and maybe it's also because I I like to organize all my folders together. Like I, I'll have a whole page of folders. But let's talk about this silliness going on now. Each folder can hold twelve applications, you know, games and apps, and each one of your iPods pages can hold sixteen of these folders. Plus, you could put folders in the four slots of your dock with twelve apps each, which rounds out to two thousand one hundred and sixty applications you could have on your phone. Now, they have to be only one meg applications, but uh, this is, I mean, you know, usually we go incremental with uh, improvements, but just this in the amount of apps that you can put on this thing now is just insane. It's exponential. I just love the, the fact that I've always hated having four or five pages worth of stuff to try and sort through whenever I want to find anything. I've actually got my phone screen down to just one page of everything. To where there's no scrolling, it's just opening folders. Gotcha. I've been separating out by game developers, actually, in my gaming section. My productivity, I can stand to put those in all grouped together from different companies and stuff. But I've been breaking down my games by developers and putting those in alphabetical order. I keep going back and forth where I've got just two folders of games where one's casual and one's bigger games. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I'll just take the entire second page and sort every game I own by genre and throw them all on the phone. (laughs) It's good stuff. It seems like every every week I switch back and forth. I can't make up my mind on that. This plays into what we've said many times on this show, that sometimes it's, it's more about organizing, it's more about collecting than it is about playing. Got to catch them all. I don't know if I'm ever going to get all 150,000 or whatever the stupid number is. But Right, right. I hit 500 the other day. Wow. Is there any other features that you enjoy about the new OS 4? The background is really nice. I know it's something that's just completely cosmetic, but mm-hmm. it's really attractive. Yeah, unfortunately um, on mine, I don't have the home screen wallpapers. Yeah, I think it's only available on the 3GS, the newest iPod Touch, and the iPhone 4. Right. You you want to make sure when you're going for the iPod Touches, because they don't go by any type of number or letter or anything else like that, you want to go with the ones with the largest hard drives. If you go with the entry-level iPod Touch with the smaller hard drive, then you're not going to get the uh, beefier graphic chip. Right. Another feature on here that everyone clamored for, and I always thought was just a little bit of overthinking, is the multitasking ability that it's got now. Mm -hmm. It's nice. It's cool to be able to switch between my apps and not have to worry about losing what I have in one. But by the same token, it doesn't close them when you leave an app now. So I was tom-toming my way up to somewhere the other day. I closed TomTom, I thought, by pushing the home button, walked around for three hours inside a store, then came out and realized my battery was dead. Yes. Because the GPS was going the whole time I was in the store, and I had no idea. Yeah. Because I was running in the background. I definitely think multitasking is one of those love-hate elements of the new OS 4. There's proponents on both sides. I really don't need it. I don't know what the big deal is about. I never really, you know, uh, oh, uh, I have to refresh my web page that I was on because I was playing 19 games before the last time I was on my web page. You know, I don't really care about that. So multitasking. I think the only thing I've been using it for is uh, if I go to post something on Twitter, Mm -hmm. I type up the entry, then I realize, oh, I've got to flip my image. So I have to exit and go back to uh, Photoshop to rotate my image. Gotcha. Then I come back and I don't have to retype it. Well, I could have done that with copy and paste. (laughs) 
Right, right. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's nice that the apps can take advantage of it. And, and that's really cool. They don't get dumped out if you go to look at something from inside of another app. But to me, it really hasn't had that big of an impact. Well, what have you been playing lately? Because let's talk about games. I'm sure we got a lot to talk about. Oh, my God. The one I've been playing the most. I know I sent you a list. Somehow I left this one off of it. You're playing it now, too. Crank. Oh, right. Now spell Crank that. with because, a Q. Yes. Q-R-A-N-K. Yes. Um, this is a free game. You can play it on Facebook, even if you don't have an iPhone or an iPad or anything like that. It's Trivial Pursuit. You get 15 questions a day. There's, I think, 24 available, so you pick at random based on points. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like Jeopardy. You don't yep. know what you're going to get specifically. Exactly. And then once you answer your 15 questions, it posts your score, and then you compare it to all your friends. Now, it is time-based as far as points tick down from your initial point category section. So as time goes on, when you're trying to figure out the answer to the question, your points are coming off of that maximum pointage for each answer. But the nice thing about this is, is I'm a very slow reader, but yet they give you a nice little buffer of time to read the question before you have to look at your multiple choice answers. Exactly, exactly. If they didn't give you that time for the questions, I'd be a little concerned. You know, when I play Buzz, a lot of people have an upper hand on me because the answers come up fairly quickly. Even a narrator goes to read it and stuff like that. So if, if you download packs for Buzz and things like this, they don't have a narrator reading the question to you, so you have to read it. And then people always get to jump on me. This There were some questions where I wasn't able to finish entirely, but I got the gist of it and I did pretty well. And my first time out, it was a little, a little scary. Now, you don't have to play this every day. You see yourself on leaderboard against, like, say, your friends on Facebook, if you log in with your Facebook information and things like this. And it's really cool. It's really neat. It's really fun. And the questions are incredibly current oh yeah yeah i think they add them on a daily basis and for a free app it's great now there's not a native ipad version yeah and i will warn you because i found this out the hard way if you play the game on your ipad you can't check your scores on the iphone it'll Mm. only show you the scores for the day on the device you played it on gotcha so it has like a cache that's it's on the device itself a little bit yeah and uh another thing i really like it's loaded with achievements Mm. You get one for each state that you play in. You get one if you access the app between 1 and 4 a.m. Okay. You get one called the Lumberg Achievement if you play Monday through Friday instead of doing your TPS report. <laughs> I mean, it, it's got all kinds of achievements. I think there's over 300 of them available. I think I even got an achievement for looking at all the achievements. But uh, that, that's another fun way to compete with your friends, just, just to see how many achievements you can get as you go. All right, but I'm going to burn down the building. Put streak night into guacamole. <laughs> uh, you know, I, why isn't there an app for office space? That's what I need to know right now. I'll get to that. There actually is one now. Oh. In case any of our listeners want to get on there and uh, compete against me, you can search for me as uh, The Eternal with no spaces in it. So let's see, some other ones we got going. I'll stick with the casual here and keep up with that a little bit. If anyone's ever been to an arcade, I know they're kind of a dying breed anymore. Say back in the uh, the mid to early 90s, somewhere around there, you've probably seen this game where you get a mallet. It's like whack-a-mole, but there's gators coming out of holes. Sure, sure. Got, it's called Gator Panic. You got to whack them on the face. Someone made it into an iPhone game for a dollar. Just whack them as they come out before they get a chance to bite you. You get a health meter, just like on the old arcade machine. It's just pure bliss if, if you grew up on stuff like that. Now, is there Hungry Hungry Hippos? 
It wouldn't surprise me if there was, but I've never searched for it. Right. right. When are we going to get those type of board games? I think they could be relevant. We've got the Game of Life. That came out recently. It's pretty Ah, fun. But what about Ants and Pants and Don't Wake Daddy and Break the Camel's Back? I don't know how well those would translate. I mean, you got the touchscreen, you got the accelerometer, but... I don't know. What about Augmented cooties? reality, maybe? You could do cooties. I mean, all yes, you did you was could. spin a spinner and then stick a beard on your cootie. Well, I think you have an idea for a nice licensed product there, don't you, Wiggly? Yes. All right, man. Well, let me talk a little bit about uh, things I've gotten. Uh, not, not too much to talk about for the iPod itself. I mostly have been looking at new releases for the iPad, and there has been an update for Pac-Man. And I've talked about Pac-Man before. It's, once again, the original version of Pac-Man. Just straight up Pac-Man. Doesn't need any CE. Doesn't need any Miss. He doesn't have a bow in his hair. I'd love to see Miss Pac-Man. I'd love to see CE on here as well especially using this control scheme, I've mentioned about how the swipe control is a perfect version of control for this particular title. And uh, I've gotten higher scores than I have on any other Pac-Man version I've played using this iPad version. Just to let you know, Ms. Pac-Man is out for the iPhone. It's out for the iPhone, doesn't control very well. For the iPad, though, this is the Pac-Man to get. The iPad version using swipe controls is perfect. Every other version of Pac-Man and CE and Miss Pac-Man for the iPod stinks on controls. Don't like it at all. But there has been an update to the iPad version. And the first thing you'll notice is this giant U in the upper right-hand corner. It's the Namco Unite SDK symbol. This is the same technology that you might have seen in their Pool Pro Online 3 game. And it's Namco's version of OpenFaint. You can personalize your account. You get achievements. You see your friends' scores. You can invite friends. You see the global leaderboards and things like this. And something I never noticed before, but was probably there, you have the ability to add songs from your iPod library. So I stacked it up with tunes I would have heard at Quarter Time, Arcade, or Spaceport. Big hits and big hair from the 80s. I I think I even had hair. But it's a solid title made even better. And you know, I've been waiting for games to come out from Namco and Taito and Capcom and Konami and all the bigger established arcade game creators. And although those companies have a very strong iPhone presence in the iTunes store, not too much going on for the iPad. So I was very excited to see a new game come out from Namco. In celebration and confetti and party hats for the 30th anniversary of Pac-Man, Pac-Match Party HD was released. This was released by Namco Networks America Incorporated, and I believe it was actually outsourced to Sparkplug Games. And compared to the earth-shaking announcement that Namco made at E3 about the newest iteration of Pac-Man in celebration of his 30th anniversary, the Pac-Man Party, is actually really good. You know, how burned out are we of slide puzzle games? Pretty burned out. Pretty burned out. Pretty burned out. But there's something about this Pac-Match Party that adds some new elements to it that keeps it interesting. Now, it did crash out on me when I was getting up to the seventh level, and I lost my entire progress. So I wasn't happy about that. But uh, going into it again and taking a full system reboot seemed to have corrected that problem. It seems to happen anytime a little Pac-Man Party cutscene is going to occur. And when it dumps you out, you cannot continue. You have to start all over again. 
So it's very simple. All you have to do is anytime you want to play this game is just take a hard reboot of your iPad and then go into the game. And right before you get to level six, make sure you save, dump out of the game again, hard reboot again, go back in. And then when a cutscene happens, hopefully you won't crash out. It's just that simple. Now I hear that this does not happen on the iPod version. It's only intrinsic to the iPad. But what makes this game so cool and what makes me want to play a slide around to match puzzle game? Well, first of all, you're sliding around ghosts, so that's a little bit of fun. But you also slide around cake and you slide around presents. And if you line up three presents or more, you will receive a little prezi on the right hand side of your screen. And these presents could be a bomb, a big giant grid that if you drop that on a play field, it'll clear out that entire grid or a vertical line or a horizontal line or a cross. And those clear out lines just as you would expect them to. And one of the neatest power-ups is the Pac-Man icon. When you get the Pac-Man icon, you can drag it onto the playfield. Now, it can only move forward a set number of objects, perhaps 10, and you can draw the line in any direction forward except diagonally. Once you draw the line to its full length, you let go and Pac-Man goes through and gobbles up the blue ghost or fruit or cake or any object in his way. So the power-ups make it a little more interesting. But what really gives this game some teeth, or chompers, or pucks, is that you will notice framing the entire playfield are dots and interspersed power pellets. And you also see Pac-Man being chased by a ghost or ghosts. Now the only way that Pac-Man moves around the outer frame is as you clear lines of objects. And the ghosts get progressively faster as you progress through the game. If your little Pac-Man eats a power pellet, then you also get a present. So adding that time element and the novelty of Pac-Man really give this puzzle game an edge. Now another unique element to this game is that you do not clear levels based on time or score or anything like this. There's actually blue colored grids underneath some of the objects that form like the number one, two, three, four, five, maybe even spell out the word Namco or some type of image later on. I don't know. I've never gotten to the higher levels because I keep crashing. But you make those little blue squares disappear by clearing the objects on top of them. And that leads into the achievements. There's lots of achievements to unlock. And one of my favorite achievements is trying to make the little Pac-Man go around the outer frame four times. And this is more difficult than it may sound because you don't want to progress on to the next level. So you have to try to avoid clearing those little blue blocks that are underneath your play pieces. And what makes that challenging is that sometimes you have these chain reactions that you can't control. So... Clearing out pieces that aren't on top of those blue blocks to make your little Pac-Man go around four times, very challenging. All in all, I go back to the game often. Very fun. I wasn't sure about it, but I wanted to celebrate Pac-Man's 30th birthday, so I took the plunge, and I've been very satisfied with the title. Yes, it is broken. Fix that glitch. And then it'll be one of my top titles. The other release that I was very excited to see pop up in the iTunes store is from the arcade juggernaut that we've had on our show, Taito. And the game is Space Invaders. Let me tell you a little story about Space Invaders. Um, before all this whole retro 2010 comeback special happened, Space Invaders was celebrating one of its earlier birthdays, 10th or 15th. I'm not sure exactly which birthday it was. And they released a Space Invaders package for the PC Engine. It was on a CD-ROM, and it was only available for the Japanese TurboGrafx-16, the PC Engine. And I paid for it. I plunked down my 80 bucks for this. And when I got it, it was the original Space Invaders. 
you could toggle the different screen modes. You can have the cellophane overlay. You could have the monochrome. It had those type of things. It even had a little bit of history in Japanese about the tabletop versions and stuff like this. But I basically paid $80 for an import of the original Space Invaders. And I thought that was okay. But I definitely would never do it again. So when I saw that this was just going to be your regular Space Invaders, I was a little leery. But once again, it's Taito's first release of one of their signature franchises. I mean, Marita Shogi is nice, but it doesn't scream Taito to me. So once again, I took a chance on a title that I have played on just about every console system that I own. And I cannot be happier with this game. It supports Open Faint, and you do have those same options that I had on my $80 game back in the mid-90s. There's a two-player mode where you take turns, and you can either sit across the table from one another or do the old pass the patty on the left-hand side. And just like the PC Engine version, you have different screen modes. You can do the monochrome original. You can do the cellophane overlay so that it's the regular white raster graphics with the fake color mode before colored raster graphics were available. And you can also toggle the background uh, as in a projected screen. The only thing about this is you're going to want to change the controls. And just like how Pac-Man was your choice of control schemes is going to make the difference between you loving the game and completely hating the game. The drag controls kind of stink. It's You have a joystick online, you move back and forth, and then hit your shot button. That does not work very well. The accelerometer, also incredibly difficult because you're trying to tilt where you want your little turret to go, and that's very difficult. But the mode that is the most money-making win on this is thankfully the original way that you used to play space invaders and that is with two buttons a button that moves you to the left and a button that moves you to the right and then you have your shot button so using it on that mode it's called controller mode is the perfect mode for me and i gotta tell you just like with pac-man i thought i am never going to play pac-man again when i got on an ipad i love playing it it's like a whole new version of the game even though it's the same old game i played thousands of times same goes for space invaders i'm very happy with this the open faint support that type of control it just reinvented the game for me and got me all back into the original version of space invaders hey make something old new again Definitely. And, you know, once again, something about playing things on the iPad just brings a new experience to it. What else you got, man? Well, I'll go with something uh, old that is new again. Uh, I just picked up Sonic the Hedgehog 2 a few days ago. Oh, boy. Now, these are games that I would think I would want to try to avoid by all means necessary. Well, the thing that turned me off to it originally is it's, it's a steep entry price for an iPhone game. It's $6. Which, uh, when you're looking at a rehashed game like this, it seems Mm. kind of awkward to pay that much for it. Sure. The other thing that turned me off is I kept hearing there's no thing where you could select to play as either just Sonic or just Tails. The only way you get to play is your Sonic and Tails is following you. Uh. And when I grew up on this game, I always played as Tails. That, That was the cool thing about it to me. So not having him kind of made it a little sketchy. Uh But uh, in the end, I'm kind of glad I picked it up. It's touchscreen controls. You've got your directional pad and you've got one button. And then you've got a start button up in the corner. The buttons are pulled off of the uh, actual screen. It's kind of like an arcade console around a screen. So you've got the buttons basically just sitting right off the side of the screen. Okay. 
So they don't get in the way. You can see everything perfectly. The game actually transitioned really well to the platform. I'm pleasantly surprised. Hmm. The controls don't lag whatsoever. The animations are perfectly smooth. It plays just like it did on the Sega Genesis. I think I'm going to have to wait for a 99 cent sale on these. Well, good luck waiting because they just had a sale a uh, month and a half ago and it only dropped to two ninety nine. Ah, uh, I see, I see. I'm just, you know, I'm just so leery of the Sega titles in the iTunes store and especially action platformers. Yeah, after playing uh, Golden Axe and uh, Streets of Rage, mm-hmm. which are just moderate versions of what they used to be, they don't seem to translate very well. That's kind of held me off on the Sonic ones up until now. But again, I think it's a good investment. If you're a big Sonic fan, I definitely recommend it. Okay. If you're just looking for a game to play, I'd probably hold off just because of the price tag. You're not going to get that much gaming out of it. Right, right. Well, listeners, if you're a big Sonic mark and you have to plunk down the loot for this, go on a We Talk Games message boards and uh, let us know what you think of it. Definitely. That's where we share all our recommendations when we're not recording the show. There's an iPhone group in there. If you'd been on there, you would already be playing Crank with all of us. You started that group, didn't you? Uh, I think I did, yeah. Yeah, very good, very good. All right, man. Well, what else you got? This one is my game of the show right here. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, this is the one that I have not been able to put down, and I have no idea why. It's available for the iPhone and the iPad. They're separate games, unfortunately, but when I got it, the iPad one was free and the iPhone one was a dollar. It's called Stick Golf. Okay. I know no one really plays golf games. This is not a golf game. All right. This is two-dimensional golf. All you have is the level you're looking at from the side, and it's bizarre how they shape these things. They're very sci-fi-ish, where you're shooting all over the place on different levels of things that aren't attached to each other. You're trying to make it to the hole in as few shots as possible. There's six different courses with nine holes each. Uh, As you finish a course under par, you get to unlock the next one. And it's just a little stick figure guy. You pick the direction you're shooting in and how hard you're going to hit the ball and see where it goes. It's got an easy mode, and the hard mode adds uh, a wind speed in whatever direction. Okay. It's got open faint support, so you've got achievements, and you can compare your scores to your friends. I'm still rubbing it in a friend of mine's face that I'm one course ahead of him, but (laughs) I am still about 20 over par on that course. (laughs) So he, he can catch up to me pretty fast. Very good, very good. I think I've got maybe... 15, 20 hours of gameplay in this game in two weeks so far. Wow. So it, it's definitely a game that you can't put down. It, it's really good for pick up and play. It doesn't remember where you left off if you exit the app, though. Oh. So unless you have multitasking, you're going to lose your save if someone calls you. Hmm. That's odd that it, it has OS4 support and yet doesn't have a simple feature like that. Yeah, you would think that'd be something they'd consider when they wrote it initially. Mm-hmm. Because I was on uh, the seventh hole of something, shooting like nine under par, and someone called me and I lost my game. I see, I see. Stick Golf, definitely pick that up. That That's my must-own game on this show this month. Great. Uh, let's talk about a game that I think everyone loves, and that's Orbital. Oh, yeah. Well, a game came out from a company called No Monkeys that's called Seven. It really reminds me a lot of Orbital. Now, it doesn't have any of the same game mechanics, but it does have the same trippy grid type of background, similar music style to the music in Orbital. But it also has the low-scoring type of mechanics that Orbital has. And once again, it's called Seven. And what happens is these (laughs) Septicons and Decepticons and Autobots, Nice. these Septagons come out, and they all have a number on it. 
Sometimes they'll have a minus, sometimes they'll have a multiplication, and what you want to do is try to draw lines to septagons so that they join up with one another and form the number seven. And then once you get a seven on there, it swirls around and makes a lot of nice little lights happen and noises, and that clears and gives you one point. So it's a very simple concept. You just try to make seven happen. But when you have a whole screen full of all these numbers bouncing around and they can bounce into one another by themselves. So you have to make sure that you try to draw a line from say that an eight and a two are ready to come together. And once you hit 10, it's all over. So if an eight and a two are coming together, you have to draw a line so that they don't intersect with one another. And then you try to draw the two to a one. And then maybe you go up to eight. Then you want a minus one put on there. And then sometimes, it, you know, you multiply a three by a two and then it's at six and then you add it to a one. And, and that's essentially the gist of the game. Just like Orbital, very simple, easy to pick up. Anyone can play it. And it's a it's a very nice gaming experience. Super 7 HD. I, now, I downloaded that uh, on the free app a day sale. Uh, exactly. I have yet to try it, but, but now I want to. Uh, how much is it actually going for, though? I got it for free as well. You got to watch for these free app a day sales. I've got a, uh, a blog that does nothing but tell those every day, and I've got that in my RSS feeds. Very good, very that's, good. That's how I get all my free games. It's awesome. That's the big perk of the app store. If you can be patient enough, most stuff will end up free at some point. And it's also good to take advantage of when a game comes out, free for a limited time and things like this. And I just recently picked up a game called Trundle HD. Now, I don't know if you've played this at all. Oh, I have played the hell out of that one. <laughs> this is one of those uh, moody, artistic style games. And you're a little trundle. You're a little wheel with lights on you. And uh, it's set in sort of a silhouette type of background. I recently played the game Limbo as part of uh, the Xbox Live Summer of Gaming. Buy a hundred and some dollars worth of games and get $15 deal. And uh, the Limbo is very neat, very moody. And this is sort of similar to this. And I would put it on a comparable scale with it just for the fact that you're playing it on an iPad, not on a very powerful gaming system. But it's very moody. It's very neat. Little action puzzles to figure it out as you're rolling along. Uh, the controls work great. You can tilt to make your little wheel move to the left and right. And then you flick it to make your wheel jump. Check that out. Trundle. Yeah, and it's got some of the most beautiful art style I've seen in an iPhone game in quite a while. It's really neat. Another game I've got on here, I'm going to struggle to pronounce this one, and then I'm just going to spell it because I have no idea what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, Espgaluda 2. E-S-P-G-A-L-U-D-A 2. It's a uh, sequel to some uh, Japanese top-down shooter game like you'd find in the arcades all the time back in the day. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely beautiful graphics. This is basically just a game of how many bullets can you dodge. Ah, okay. Because you've got so many bad guys just flying around shooting 50 million bullets in your direction. And it doesn't matter that you're trying to hit them. You just want to dodge their bullets and eventually you're going to hit them. Gotcha. I can't really follow the storyline because it's so abstract and poorly translated. <laughs> But uh, that, that's half the appeal, I think. Sure, sure. It, it looks like three angels, and you're taking down fallen angels as the level bosses. Hmm. There's, I believe, six or seven levels to it. You can finish them all in about half an hour, if you can actually make it through, that is. Each character has a slightly different storyline. There's three to choose from, and they all have different weapons. There's different difficulty settings. I will warn everyone, it only plays on uh, iPhone 3GS, iPhone 4, iPad, 
and the newest iPod Touch. It will not work on any other systems because the graphics processing is too high for any others. Gotcha. What else you got? I'll do three really quick ones. How okay. about that? Excellent. Uh, th- these are very easy to do. These are knockoff titles. They're okay. based on another game that plays on another system that was really good. And these are just the iPhone spinoffs that happen to be awesome as well. Okay. The first one is Blades of Fury. It's a knockoff of Soul Calibur. Oh, really? Hmm. And it's a beautiful knockoff. The controls are awesome. The acting is just as bad as it is on Soul Calibur. <laughs> and, Prepare uh, for the theater of destiny. Yeah, it's, it's just here's a bunch of guys with weapons. Beat the crap out of each other. Here you go. It's even got the ring outs. I uh. mean, it, it's perfect. <laughs> um, and it's only $5, which isn't too bad for a game like that. Hmm. Number two on this wonderful list, the Jim and Frank Mysteries. This is Professor Layton. Oh, okay. It's a couple of kids who go around to town and solve puzzles as they go while trying to solve bigger puzzles. It's only a dollar as well, which is absolutely amazing that they're only charging a dollar for this. My only complaint about the game is uh, sometimes the instructions for a puzzle can be a little vague. You may have to blow your hints to solve a few. I see. But I mean, that, that's not a big complaint for a game like that. It sounds like uh, watching a Sherlock Holmes movie uh, where it's really impossible that anyone could have figured that out, except Holmes. Yeah, sometimes it does feel like that. And then my third one, this is the last one in it, it's called Dungeon Hunter. Friends of mine have been telling me to pick this up for quite a while. It's Diablo. It's top-down action RPG it's got some great controls in it. Uh, you can either touch where you want to move to, or you can use a joystick. And then it's got your attack, your magic, all your stuff right there on the screen for you. You build up XP, you pick up items, uh, you beat up monsters of all kinds, and uh, you solve quests. I mean, really simple game. I picked it up for a dollar on sale. I think it's normally $5. The two $5 ones I mentioned both have light versions, so you can try them out. Oh, great. Fantastic. Awesome. Hey, speaking of... Uh porting over did you see spirit hd was released i have not seen spirit hd well we're both fans of spirit the draw circle around little weird looking almost fat vector style amoebas bugs spaceships i don't know what we want to call them you're that little ghost ship and then you try to encircle your enemies and then they get warped into some a vortex that opens up and it's a lot of fun so they have an uh, iPad version now. Now there's a native iPad version. And I can't remember if it was free upgrade or if I paid, you know, like 2 or $3. I think it, I think it was a two ninety nine type of app. But uh, I, I really enjoyed Spirit. You turned me on to Spirit. And uh, the iPad version works very well. And once again, you don't have to draw over your ship. You can draw your little circles and control it anywhere by touching anywhere on a screen. And then move around uh, the enemies that you're trying to encircle. Open up a vortex they get sucked in a limbo. Yeah, and I think the I think the controls based on your finger movement are like two to one or three to one what your actual guy moves. Exactly, exactly. So you, you, it definitely keeps your finger out of the way. Yeah, you know, I, I don't even know what type of game you would call. I mean, it's it's sort of a shooter where you never shoot. I think that's the best description I've heard yet. <laughs> You're bringing that up definitely brought up something I'd kind of like to take a minute to rant about if you don't mind too much. Sure, no problem. It's about the pricing of iPhone and iPad software. And this has been driving me crazy because I have both. A lot of people who have an iPad have both. Um, Even if they don't, 
the simple fact that these developers keep making their games available for the iPad at an extra cost mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. the iPhone version. As if developing like, uh, for the iPad has a lot more coding work that needs to be done. <laughs> right. And, and it's it's like, uh, to, to use one for example, Sneezies is one of my favorite games for the iPhone. Yeah. It, it's only, I think, a dollar or a dollar ninety nine. It's not expensive at all. It's super simplistic, casual gaming. Mm-hmm. And when I find out that they had an HD version for the iPad, this is the first time I'd ever seen this. This is right when it came out. It was $5. Yep. And I'm like, oh, $5. This must have a whole bunch of new features, maybe a two-player mode. Yeah. I paid $5, and I got the same game I already owned on my iPhone, just with higher-scaled graphics. Exactly. You know, I mean, all they have to do is go in there and replace the, the graphics that are, that were used for it with higher resolution versions and then they recompile and it's done i know programmers that that program for the the ipod the iphone i've done it myself i've made little introductory things just to try to under, start understanding the language you use the same emulators to see how your game is going to look on an ipad or an iphone you can decide what versions of the graphics you want to use if you want to make them star things there's there's nothing extra that needs to be done if you're developing for the iphone you can easily translate that to the ipad exactly and by charging a separate price for each one and even charging mm. more for the ipad for the same game yeah what you're doing is you're just telling your uh, your customer base that you don't really care about them. Yeah. Because even if someone only has one or the other, you're still going to get money out of them when they buy the game. You might sure. as well just make it universal so people who have both don't have to buy it twice. Yeah, you know, I'd like to see that, of course, moving forward. That would be great. There are some games that are only available for the iPad, and I can completely understand that and appreciate it. But like you're saying, when they release the same exact game with just beefed up graphics, they haven't added anything to it, they haven't made it more customizable for the iPad and things like that. Like you know, with like I said, with the Pac-Man, that's a completely different version than the one that's available for your iPhone. So I don't mind right. buying that new. I'd like to see the prices go down, of course. But uh, until we get a bigger user base, probably with the iPads, we, we might not see that moving as much. But I guess it depends on how successful these things are. But a company that's just releasing a the same version of the game with the beefed up graphics, that's, that's kind of uh, lousy. By the same token, we've got, uh, which one just came out? Spider uh, just released an HD version. And the one on the iPhone is uh, $1.99 or $2.99. The one for the iPad is $5. Mm. Then you've got Fruit Ninja. And it's got its 99-cent iPhone version that they keep giving new features to. Right. They released the iPad version for four ninety nine. Granted, they've added a two-player mode, but why is it still five times the cost? <laughs> it's driving me crazy because I would love to, to have these games in a higher resolution when I play them on my iPad. But I'm not willing to pay for a game twice. That, that really just kind of gets under my skin a little bit. Definitely. I just had to rant about that a little bit. Very good. Good to have it off my chest. Yes. One game left for you today. Um, You like Rock Band, right? I do. You like Guitar Hero, right? I do. Do you like Tap Tap Revenge? That one, uh, you know, I I couldn't wait to to try it out. And uh, then it said, I don't know what my login name is. So I haven't really been able to dive into that. But I I understand uh, the concepts of these. Press some things coming down the screen. Okay, and uh, do you also like games like, uh, let's say, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter? <laughs> sure. What if I told you there was a game that put all those together? Oh, I already played it back on my Genesis, The Activator. Okay, I don't Crickets. feel special anymore. <laughs> 
crickets here. Uh, but yeah, I, hopefully this controls a lot better than the activator did. I, I'm sure it does. <laughs> um, I stumbled across this completely by accident one night. It's a game called Rhythm Spirit. Okay. Uh, I think it was $2.99, so it's not a big investment to get into. If I remember correctly, there's even a light version of it. You play as a little ninja. It's got this beautiful Japanese uh, mythology-type story built around it hmm. uh, where he absorbs a fox spirit, and then all these people start attacking him. And it's, it's ninjas attacking him, supernatural beings, ghosts, all kinds of things. But the way you attack and you defend is by pressing buttons to a rhythm that are coming down a thing toward you. Oh, I see. And it's got this beautiful Japanese-style music that is mashed up with ridiculous techno that, for some reason, it works. Hmm. And uh, the way it plays is you've got an up and down on the left side, and you've got a sword and a shuriken on the right side. And then you've got two bars on the top, and they're both moving icons to the center. And on the left one, you'll have the up and the downs moving toward the center. And on the right one, you'll have the swords and the shurikens moving to the center. Hmm. And as they hit the center, you have to push the button. Based on what color the bar is, is whether that's you're attacking or you're going to be defending. So if you miss, you're going to take damage. And if you hit, you'll deal damage to whoever you're fighting. Ah, great. And I don't know what it is. It's just th- this is a really solid, addictive little game. It's a little short. Um, I think you could probably finish the game in a couple hours. Mm. But uh, I'm, I've talked to the developer, and uh, there's definitely a sequel in the works. I've got some, some word that you may hear someone from this podcast doing some of the music on the sequel. Ah-ha-ha-ha! Uh-huh. Awesome. But, uh, but yeah, I don't want to drop too many hints about that, because I may get some more letters from Australia. <laughs> right on, right on. But yeah, Rhythm Spirit's just... An, an absolutely phenomenal game and a really nice new genre to see. And it's it's something I could only see on the iPhone in my mind. All right, man. Well, awesome. Now everyone has a whole slew of games to try to download and uh, give a whack at. Hey, Jay, thanks a lot. Good luck in the future to you, and I'll talk to you next time on We Talk Games. And remember, everybody, theeternalmusic.com is where you can find my music. Go download my albums now before someone in Australia makes me take them down. (laughs) Right on, pal. Take care. Take care. Bye. Hey, thanks, everybody, for joining us for this breakout bonus-level mini-sode dealing with the iPod, iPad, iPhone. We will have a very special August 2010 episode of our flagship show, We Talk Games. Something a little different. We've never done it before. We Talk Games, and I hope that you enjoy it. Look for that to be in the feed very soon, and we still have another bobble coming your way. I don't know which one will come first at this point. Stop by our social media networking site, wetalkgames.com. Our name is our address. Join in the fun, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye now. We Talk Games.